Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your hosts are Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, and Jonathan Jordan of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast series is dedicated to illuminating some of the darkness around conflicts of interest and motivations in the financial planning industry, as well as current events and investment concepts. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we are joined by a guest who has his expertise in the area of Medicare and all things that are involved in Medicare and Medicare supplement plans. We're excited to have him on board. Clint, can you introduce our guest for us, please? Nick Shrek is here, and um, you know we're excited to have him because uh, this is an area that you know Nate and I know enough to be dangerous, but it's nice to have an expert in the room. So, um, Nick, a little bit about yourself, please. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and excited for the opportunity. A little bit about me. I grew up uh, in the Milwaukee area and now have my practice called Expedition Retirement here in the Madison area. been married to my wife, Nicole, for 10 years, and we have two little rugrats. Ayla just turned five and, and Lucas turned two. Uh, career-wise, I have spent most of my career um, in the Medicare space. I used to manage for a company that um, has a flagship product called the Medigap Policy or Medicare Supplement and spent the better part of a decade managing for them. So I've been at a little bit over 1,000 kitchen tables um, for people that have come on the Medicare in the last 15 years of my career since I started doing this in 2003. He's eaten a lot of pound cakes. I was going to say, that's a lot of, that's a lot of Folgers coffee that, that you've had. What's the strangest thing that's happened in a family setting like that when you've gone to somebody's house? I've had a couple strange settings. This, the, the strangest offering of food was something called crappy in the stickups, which is a cold bluegill spread that goes on the crackers and it's quite gamey. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, the, the most terrifying experience was a, a gentleman who is a client that was um, spinning um, the rounds of his loaded revolver on the table and um, was was really in the, the um, hunting and weaponry and all of that. So that, that was interesting as well. Wow. It's always, it's always uh, interesting. You never know what's going to happen when you open that door. So uh, unfortunately, the world of Medicare is not that that exciting, right? I mean, it's exciting, but it's not that exciting as, as your uh, in-home experience is. Um, let's start by telling people um, just some background information of you know, they're 64 and a half years old, and it's kind of now what? what? What's the first thing they should do, second thing they should do? I mean, just kind of give people a background on what that looks like. Yeah, and when you hit that age, right around uh, 64 and three months, you start getting bombarded with marketing, generally direct mail, and then some cold calling, and maybe even potentially some door knocking, because it's a very competitive space amongst the insurance companies that exist in the Medicare space, and they all know you're turning 65. So um, the one thing at first is expect to be overwhelmed. 
a little bit, and that uh, turns some people off from Medicare, and probably one of the reasons why it's you know not that popular, um, not the program itself, but the process. And really the first thing that somebody needs to do and assess as they're approaching their 65th birthday at about 64 and a half years old is figure out if they actually need the Medicare program when they turn 65. Most folks are eligible for Medicare the first day of the month that they turn 65 and some folks are eligible earlier if they've been receiving Social Security disability. And as you're turning 65, whether or not the government directly enrolls you in the Medicare program fully depends on whether you're collecting Social Security income or not. So some folks may be automatically enrolled into the Medicare program that don't need it, and some folks might need to manually enroll in the Medicare program as the government won't be doing that for them. So you've got a lot of folks um, in the climate now with the baby boomer generation that are working a little bit further into life. Uh, the average retiree is a little bit older maybe than the past when we had the defined benefit plan, the pension that was so prevalent um, in the retiree household. Now it's not. And a lot of folks who are turning 65, they're still eligible for employer-sponsored coverage because they're still working, or they might have a spouse that still is. So the first thing that they need to figure out is whether that employer-sponsored plan is going to be the most beneficial for them to go on to, and if so, if that requires them to take on Medicare Part B as in boy or not. And then um, if somebody has signed up for Social Security and taken their Social Security early, um, say age 62 or 63, I mean, does that really... Does that have the impact of signing them up for Medicare automatically? Yes, absolutely. So if they're already collecting their Social Security income as they approach their 65th birthday, they will receive that Medicare card in the mail with parts A and B on it. Hypothetically, it may be in their best interest to stay on an employer-sponsored plan. That employer-sponsored plan might not require them to take out Medicare Part B, and therefore they'll have to manually disenroll out of it until needing it at a later date. And a lot of employers, you know, if somebody is approaching age 65, would you say that, uh, you know, the employer kind of has to automatically enroll them in Medicare or forces them to enroll in Medicare? It's nothing to do with the employer, first of all. It, it, it has to do, well, it has to do with the employer's contract with their major medical insurance. But the first thing that determines whether or not an employer-sponsored plan would require Medicare enrollment or not is the group size. If the group's under 20, then it's automatically going to require all the participants to come on the Medicare when they turn 65. If it's a larger group size, then it's kind of a coin toss. It depends on that agreement between the employer and the major medical contract, and we're going to need to make a phone call to an HR department or to the carrier that carries the insurance contract. So what does uh, an initial sit-down meeting with you and your office look like? Um, and I know we should be clear here that um, you, you've got some disclosures that we should talk about, make sure everybody's aware you're not a representative of the federal government or the federal government's plan. Uh, so if somebody comes to you in your office, uh, what does that first initial meeting look like? Well, the first initial meeting is really just going to be a sit-down, get to know each other. It's more informal, but there's a couple of pieces of information that I'm hoping that that individual has prepared. Number one, if they are still eligible for employer-sponsored insurance, we're going to want to know the dynamics of it. Does it require them to go on Medicare Part B or not? Is there a premium change when they turn 65? Because there often is. And then what are the components of that? Employer-sponsored insurance, um, deductible out-of-pocket maximum. 
And then one thing that um, I generally would like to know a little bit more on the front end of the process that sometimes throws folks off is prescribed medications. And the reason for that is on the prescription drug side of coverage with Medicare, there's a wonderful search engine out there that makes it very easy for us to fit a client into a Medicare Part D prescription drug program um, if applicable for them. And knowing what prescription drugs they have, dosages, and what their favorite pharmacies are on the front end will um, gain us probably a saving an extra visit there. So those are the few pieces of information for sure that I usually like to have that individual prepared with. And then how they use their health care. Obviously, is it um, important for them to see a physician of their choice? Are they traveling? Are they planning on um, moving or becoming a snowbird? And what they feel their life expectancy is, is going to be important as well. Obviously, um, as we dive into the insurance market related to Medicare, there are certainly types of insurance um, plans out there in companies that have seen a larger trend of rate increases than others. And somebody's life expectancy is going to play a part in maybe which company to select there in that regard. And after you get signed up uh, for those plans and say you have a, a bad experience for some uh, reason, you know, I, I think the misconception of, uh, out there is once you sign up, you're, you're done and, and locked into those carriers. So in what, what sort of flexibility do you have to change carrier uh, down the road? Okay, so this is probably um, the most misconstrued area of Medicare. And a lot of folks get this incorrect going into Medicare and end up making some mistakes they can not back out of. And the reason for that is that there's this annual open enrollment period that you're alluding to here in which you can make some insurance selections or changes without any type of delay or penalty or underwriting, which is being screened for your health, having to prove good health in order to gain the new insurance, if you would. So... And not to give too elongated of an answer here, but really what you have to do in the Medicare market that's a little bit different for most of us as we transition into it is you have to separate out your drug coverage from your medical coverage. It's going to be two separate transactions, two separate insurance policies, two separate cards. And in the Part D prescription drug space, once you enter into that market and you onboard, if you will, you have an annual open enrollment period that will allow you to change your prescription drug plans every January 1st, regardless of your health, no delays, no penalties. So you have the leverage as a consumer to really only look at the next 12 months in that prescription drug market and which Part D insurance plan you're going to select because a change in health for the negative won't prohibit you from changing plans in the future. On the health side of the Medicare space, it gets a whole lot more complicated because there's this giant fork in the road that the Medicare beneficiary, i.e. the consumer, has to choose when they go on the Medicare. Do they want to stay on original Medicare A and B with something called a Medigap policy or a Medicare supplement as a secondary insurance policy to back up their original Medicare? Or in lieu of that, do they want to take out a Medicare Part C Medicare Advantage plan, which is a single-payer privatized plan. Many of the insurance companies that offer the Medigap policies offer Part C Medicare Advantage plans. And in that Medicare Advantage space, just like the Part D prescription drug space, you can make those changes in the annual enrollment periods. Every January 1st, you can change one Part C Medicare Advantage plan to another 
no delay, no penalty, no underwriting involved. So your health cannot get in the way of making any changes. And you can move from the original Medicare program A and B to a Part C Advantage program at any time, or I'm sorry, any January 1st, or move from a Part C plan back to original Medicare A and B any January 1st. But the one thing that a lot of folks get wrong, and we have to make sure that we're getting correct out there in the households, is that Medicare supplements don't have annual enrollment periods. They have an initial open enrollment period, so when you first come on to the Medicare program or you come off of an employer-sponsored plan after gaining Medicare eligibility, you can enroll in a Medicare supplement policy your first time without health questions being asked, but thereafter, underwriting would be involved. So a lot of folks think that they can move freely back and forth between original Medicare A and B with the supplement to a Part C Medicare Advantage plan and, or vice versa, and their health may prohibit that. So a lot of folks want to maybe game or manipulate the system and take a lower cost, higher out-of-pocket risk chassis plan as they turn 65 or go on to the Medicare system because they're still relatively young and healthy, but they figure as I age and get into my 70s or, or mid-70s, I might want to move to a higher coverage, lower out-of-pocket risk plan, and they have to realize they may not be able to do that because of their health. Clint, you want to just talk a little bit about uh, how the um, sick leave conversion works for our state of Wisconsin, UW, um, UW Health. I mean, you know, it covers a huge variety of people here in, the, in Wisconsin. I mean, how does that work in kind of in conjunction uh, with, with the, um, you know, people turning 65 and, you know, kind of what changes does that have for them? Yeah, I mean, as they are um, employed in the UW system, we have a lot of our clients that are, um, you know, they bank up this uh, sick leave, and presently, if they stay there long enough, they can use that um, to apply to their health insurance in the future. Um, and then they'll also uh, actually double um, if they leave enough years of service, and Nick can probably speak to that as well. Um, you know, as far as uh, that as a benefit, I mean, it's a tremendously good benefit that the state offers. And, I, you know, when you put a dollar amount on it, you can actually do the conversion calculator. Um, on ETF's uh, website, and I mean, it's an incredible amount of assets um, that build up over time, and it's probably the most underrated benefit that's uh, that's offered over at at the uh, in the UW system. Yeah, I would agree, and and right on there, I I have a lot of <clears throat> UW system clients as well, and it's a tremendous benefit, and you want to get every dollar that you can out of that, obviously. And so, basically, for you, you're. Um, and and I'm, we're not giving any recommendations today or anything, but what do you see generally? They, they run out of that sick leave, and then they consider their other options after that, correct? Correct. One important thing to remember, and, and I think the insurance market has had kind of a, an ethical or moral lapse here, is <clears throat> fooling folks into thinking that when they turn 65 and initially having their Medicare eligibility, that they need to sign up for their Medicare insurances because these initial open enrollments will then have gone, come and gone. And that's not the case. As long as you remain on a type of credible coverage, which, of course, the UW-sponsored plan is, 
then you're able to voluntarily or involuntarily leave that plan at any time in the future and gain your open enrollments into the Medicare system and Medicare insurance is involved. There are some time frames on that, sometimes eight months, sometimes 60 days, sometimes 63 days, but generally if we're prudent and not negligent, um, that change in insurance as your group benefits run out and you're going into the individual Medicare system is going to happen on day one of your group insurance being terminated and you'll be well within your special enrollment periods at that time and you won't have to answer any health questions to gain your eligibility into the Medicare system and Medicare related insurances. So it's really important to know that you don't have to go buy your Medicare insurances at age 65 necessarily to avoid penalization if you have other credible coverage available and take advantage of it. Is it fair to say that that's the biggest misconception in, in the Medicare system or people, the decision that to make when they're 65? I would say it's definitely one of the biggest misconceptions, but in my opinion, the biggest one is what we talked about a few minutes ago and people um, incorrectly understanding their open enrollment periods and, and not being aware of what they can and can't not do every January 1st. See, I won the family feud right there. That was the number one answer, right? How, so, how did you win the family feud on that? <laughs> I, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear a buzzer, first of all. I didn't get a chance to buzz in. I don't see Richard Dawson anywhere around here. I'm not sure. Is Nick's it no, not really Richard old Dawson anymore? Richard. Is it, who is it? It's, it's not. Uh, is it Drew Carey? Always guess no. Drew Carey right now. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Drew Carey. <laughs> all I can think of is Keenan Thompson off of Saturday Night Live, but I'm pretty sure that's not right. I'm pretty sure that's wrong as well. So, uh, Nick, how come there's no many? You know, I just I think it's really interesting. That there aren't any advisors around the area that, that do kind of what you do and focus on this area. Why is that, or just have I never run into them? Well, I think there's a number of reasons for it, and... It's the Medicare market um, from the producer standpoint, you know, the advisor standpoint. It, it's a hard business to be in, just like the advising standpoint. You have to build up um, a clientele, and you know, it takes a couple years of very hard work to do that. So, in the Medicare market and the insurance companies that really specialize in Medicare, the turnover rate is tremendous. It's one of the many reasons why I'm a recovering manager and, and left that world to go independent is um, I think a lot of the insurers out there in the Medicare space and, and otherwise have kind of gotten in tune with um, that, that turnover is not necessarily a bad thing to the bottom line and therefore it's kind of always a, a, a turnstile, if you will, in the Medicare market. You don't see a lot of advisors sticking in it. And, and it's such a specialty. It really is um, a niche specialty. A lot of people find it to be confusing and boring, and they get turned away from it. Um, so you can either look at that as kind of a challenge or opportunity, I guess, from, from our standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, you really there, – there's a lack of um, Medicare advisors out there, especially in the independent space. You're certainly going to find a lot more that um, – that represent a particular company and you know sell their products, Medicare included, but very few advisors out there that do it independently. And um, you you have to have a good upline, if you will, which is the organization that helps you get contracted with all the different insurance companies because they all have different processes and underwriting guidelines, so on and so forth. There's a ton of different options out there in the Medicare insurance space. Probably a good. 30 to 35 companies competing out there and all the big health insurers we have heard of of course are in that space so 
Um, it's really loud. It's really noisy. It's really competitive. People get confused very, very quickly. They obviously get overwhelmed very quickly. So um, obviously somebody like me is going to say, make sure you have somebody with good experience out there and, and um, knows what you're doing, knows what they're doing when you're getting advice on Medicare. Also, um, at the county level, the ADRC, Aging and Disability, right? Aging and Disability Resource Center is a great resource um, from a third-party government standpoint that has no vested interest in anything. And um, the Commissioner of Insurance puts out a brochure. It's about 60 pages, so maybe we don't want to call it a brochure, but it's called uh, the Wisconsin Buyer's Guide for Health Insurance for People with Medicare. And if you just went on and Googled Wisconsin Buyer's Guide for Medicare, you'll bring up the PDF for that. It's a great read. They lay out Medicare stuff um, really well. And Wisconsin does Medicare um, along with two other states differently than 47 others. So Wisconsin's a little particular in Medicare, and I'd probably recommend um, for those of you out there that have read that federal CMS Medicare and You book that you receive when you turn 65, I'd really recommend the state of Wisconsin one as well because there's a couple particulars here in Wisconsin that differ than the federal layout. So how often post-65 should people be meeting with somebody like you to review their coverage, review their plan, review uh, you know, what they're paying for premiums, what they're getting for benefits? Is this an annual thing they should be doing? Is this every three years? Um, what does that look like for people? I would say when you turn 65, it should be about every other year. And then as you age a little bit later into your 70s, hypothetically would have some underwriting issues changing at that point, okay? then maybe every four or five years or so. Okay. With that being said, you know that, that's probably in the context of face-to-face -face reviews. Because of the nature of the Part D prescription drug plan open enrollment, that that occurs every year and there's quite a bit of volatility in that marketplace. Um, my practice and, and many others have infrastructure built in to reach out to clientele in the autumn to gain updates on what prescribed medications they have so we can rerun the Part D prescription drug plans moving into the next year. So that is an, an every year occurrence on the prescription drug side. I think that people aren't nearly as active as they probably should be in this space here and looking at all of that and make sure that they're saving themselves some money. Correct. And there's a couple big changes on the way. Um, Medicare is issuing new cards this year. Um, there's some new rules around uh, folks being overnight in the hospital for observation or being admitted. And then in two years, 2020, the most popular, the market share leader type of Medicare supplement plan, also called a Medigap policy, is being taken off the market. So that's going to be a, a major change for uh, the Medicare marketplace is the type of insurance that most folks decide to go with is going to be taken away as an option. So that will be quite a change. What should people do to prepare for that then? Well, folks that are already on the Medicare system and have that particular type of plan, and I'm sure in the next two years here they'll be hearing about it, um, and that would be called, nicknamed a comprehensive Medicare supplement or base plus the riders. And if you're somebody that has ever said or heard a relative or friend say, I go to the doctor or hospital and for something Medicare approves of, I don't pay a thing, um, those are the types of plans that are being taken off the marketplace. But if you have one, you're grandfathered in, it's just that you cannot change to a new one. So 
ultimately, if that is the type of insurance that you want to be in, you want to make sure that you're with the right company and, and plan there for the long haul because you're not going to be able to change into a new like plan post-2020. Are you finding the people that are, are still meeting with you that um, haven't looked at this before, if they're 68, 70, 72, is it still a good time to come see you? Yeah, for sure. And especially because a lot of folks, number one, are working later or their spouses. So they haven't had to make any Medicare decisions at age 65. They're making their first Medicare decisions at 68 or 70. Um, secondly, number one, a lot of people just procrastinate. Number two, it's overwhelming. Number three, the insurance market is pretty aggressive in that Medicare space. So unfortunately, a lot of folks make their initial Medicare decisions without really being properly informed of how all the rules work and what the marketplace is really like. And while they're still young and healthy enough, there's time to make some changes amongst the entire range of the market. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It does behoove them to do that to a certain point where their health might you know, start to decline as it will in all of our lives at some point, then, then there's much less changes that you'll be able to make. One last question before we wrap up here. What is the earliest age uh, that you want to see somebody in the office or kind of what's the, the point at which you say, okay, yeah, this is, this is the time when you should really start to investigate this? Well, it really depends on them. As as you guys know, there's all different client types, right? <laughs> you know, some some that want to hear from us very often and some that only want to hear from us when relevant or every few years. So I would say at the very latest, somebody wants to be in front of me about 45 to 60 days prior to having to make a decision, have, to have something go live before they go on the Medicare, before they're losing their employer-sponsored coverage. Um, there's really not a too early to meet with me, if you will, because obviously I'm hoping that, that we establish a relationship in the Medicare space. And if you're somebody that gets a little bit more anxious about it and you want to have your ducks in a row and you're just turning 64 and you're getting stressed out already because 65 is a year away and that feels like it's tomorrow, then that's great. Um, you can certainly sit down and, and meet with me. I'll be glad um, to start putting the numbers together and, and things might change because we might go across a January 1st before that 65th birthday, but at least we'll give a you know, be able to provide a base of what your Medicare costs and options are going to look like. So um, there's really not a too early. I, I get a lot of folks that are even you know starting to look at their Social Security options at 62 or 63 and wanting to at least get some type of price idea of what the Medicare system is going to cost them. Great. Well, I think this is very informative and uh, what a great episode. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us today. And uh, we'll definitely give his contact information. We're happy to put somebody in touch with him, um, you know, or help uh, schedule a meeting with any of our clients with him as well. And for those of you that have just surfed in and uh, checked this out, we appreciate you uh, checking us out at this and we'll see you at further episodes.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.